WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. You're tuned into the Friday Night Groove with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr., better known as RBJ for short. And every Friday, my goals provide you a sound of fun because of soul, jazz, alternative, indie, electronic, and pretty much everything between. And in this episode, I'll be in conversation with Merrick Razout, one of the founders of the New York and London-based record label, Abu Recordings. Before we get to the interview, though, we're starting to program off with an Abu Recordings release from Dufresne titled Desire. And shortly after, we're going to follow it up with a small sample of other releases from the label. The interview follows shortly after, so until then, sit back, relax, stay tuned, and enjoy.
Don't blink twice is my only advice Before you know it, you ahead of your life On the mic to a little passion of Christ We write a verse to deliver your sight And I don't care, I'm so fly, I might walk on air I'm so high, I could cut my hair With a scuffed up pair, a silver surface for the waves up here I never get stuck in my ways up here It's like a maze up here With the most high, the path is vivid Rolling up a sacrament or something sacrilegious Clouded by the clarity of the conviction of a true vision So I don't have words for herbs that don't listen The free world, where ghetto meets elegant It walks with elephant, S5 for president Another nigga in the White House Looking like somebody cut the lights out Blackout Make somebody wanna act out Spaz out I'ma lay another track out Cash out, follow the path I chose in life I drop twelves when I hold the mic On some clumps oh, And she submitted for the crumb And she fuck people on some hump And she fool for thought With some wet wine and weed A bit of truth for we really need as we proceed I know you've heard it all before And I know you wanna see how deep the meaning goes The truth is for those So the truth is for both You already know If anyone else did it, I could do it better up infinite cheddar in every other measure of weather I'm better My other will kills deception You thought you was real Till you brought that I'm in this shit direction I make recreation with it Destroy and build new creations with it Because I'm ancient with it I've been around Before God asks for light I'm right now You worried about the afterlife It's too real Your hunting and forgot this shit I blacked out This ain't even on no conscious tip Your ideals all counterfeit False prophets, the consequences, nonsense is your only profit. I'm minding my business. My advancement is crucial. Before my job is done, I'll be more powerful than Google. Surpassing the bar of those who came before. Jesus might have been ill, but I could be way more. Book of Solomon, yeah, that's me. As I write with my actions on this earth, make the story of my life. The passion of the Christ when I'm mastering the mic. Coming from the darkness just to shatter your light. Who blinded by the fame and material?
88.3 WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. You were tuned into the Friday Night Groove with your host, Roosevelt Belton Jr., better known as RBJ for short. And right now, I'm joined by Merrick Razouk, one of the label heads for the New York and London-based Abu Recordings. He discussed both his founding and running up that label. Merrick, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, man. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Um, so Abu Recordings initially started in 2017 between Ibn Ataka, Aaron Jerome, or AXJ2000 and yourself. Um, how did you three initially meet? Well, funny enough, uh, the three of us met randomly in New York at a uh, at a gig uh, on on 420. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we were uh, we were there was this band at the time called Jill J I L, and Aaron Jerome and myself on one end and Bernard uh, on the other end uh, were following that band pretty closely. Different members were friends of ours. We ended up just uh, meeting at the gig and realizing that we had seen each other maybe three, four times at their other gigs. So struck up a conversation and then, you know, thing, things went from there. Got you. Serendipity. Exactly, yeah. So you guys had that, you know, connection with music, you know, already down pat. So what first got you three interested in, you know, starting a label? I think what really uh, made us want to start a label was that we were at the fringes of a, of a scene where we were young then, maybe I was probably 18. Bernard was probably like 21, 22. And we were working on our own music. And ultimately, like the three of us, the three founders are pretty focused artists in, in our own right. You know, this is what we do in our free time. Uh, this is what we love to do. And, you know, the first the first year or so of the label in terms of digital releases was actually just Ibnitaka and myself. And so, you know, it was really like, let's create a space. You know, maybe our friends will want to also join us if we can do this well. And we believe in our music and we want to keep our masters and we want to try to operate under this like independent framework. So yeah, that was kind of the, the thought process at the time, really. So I want to talk about, you know, owning your masters, and this is kind of a label by artists for artists. 
not all labels are run by artists and not all of them have the artist's best interest at heart. So how much did starting a label as artists influence the way that, you know, you want to release music? I mean, that's that's everything, I think, just because once you get into the uh, into the nitty gritty of how how labels work, you kind of realize that, you know, people have people have gone through this before. People have asked themselves the question, you know, does this need to be necessarily exploitative or is this just uh, an inherent greed in the business model? You know, there are ways for you to operate as an indie label. We found out after after a little while, we found out, you know, you can be doing five, six, seven year licenses and not touch anybody's publishing. And you can operate on one EP deals. The question is like the way to do that is not as a traditional label because, you know, you're sort of building a community in our case. Like the reason people come back is not because we have them contractually obligated to. It's not because we own their masters. It's because uh, essentially, you know, they're with us because they're our friends. We have yet to actually go out and pitch somebody we don't know in advance. Never done that. All of the artists you see on this label are either pretty close friends or very good friends of friends. You know, it's it's very uh, word of mouth, and and I think that we maybe haven't hacked hacked this on the on the financial side, but certainly from from an operational and sustainability side, we are able to operate uh, in this way amidst the three four people working on it on the back end, and then um, uh, and then all of the artists. Which I guess you know, if you go from the beginning at this point, it's probably like twenty people. You know, part of what we've done the last year is really pivot from a from a record label into a into a management, I guess, company. You know, because because at the end of the day, like you do this for two three years, you really figure out that that art and love are perhaps the opposite of business. It's kind of really tough to do both of those things, the, the, all three of those things. Excuse me. So. We've kind of been operating, I would say, more as a as a incubator. You know, we'll work with first time artists. Uh, Bernard, um, my my partner, will usually, if it's hip hop, he'll usually produce the records A to Z, right there with the with the artist. You know, it'll be a real a real back and forth in that sense. All the hip hop records are produced by him, except for uh, some of Faluka's stuff. So. Right now, we're taking management fees, obviously, because, you know, we're, we have to be monetized like we don't really have a choice. But we're trying to shy away from this, like being a bank thing, because that's what a label is at the end of the day. Like it's it's complicated, but we're really proud of the curatorial aspect of the work. It's just that, you know, um, we don't have a fear of of working with artists on a sort of five or at least, you know, in having the intention of working with them on a on a five, 10 year scale and bringing them to other indie labels who can amplify what they're doing as well. Uh, because to this day, we do not have an arsenal of, ex of external funding that that we're gonna go and you know, conquer the world with. Like uh, the world is is saturated with uh, with big war chests of, of money that we don't know where, where they came from. You know, we're just sort of operating in a, in a nimble way and trying to grow with the artists who thankfully uh, have shown incredible belief and support for us. Oh.
so speaking of you know you don't the curatory aspect um versus you know the music industry sometimes with labels they tend to stick to you know one genre um you know indie rock hip-hop techno house you or your label has made a focus to not necessarily be tied down to one genre you know you have the hip-hop angle going you have the techno angle going and you have more traditional um jazz with um events releases and so how intentional was it for you guys to not necessarily be tied down to one genre I think from the get-go with with uh, Aaron, Bernard, and myself, when we were we were thinking about this, it was super intentional. Aaron, who's like the, uh, he's less involved on a day-to-day, but I feel like I think Bernard and I usually say that he taught us the most in terms of music, you know, just in terms of, of the knowledge, you know. We really loved something called, uh, well, that still exists actually, called Nervous Records. Time in the 90s, they were doing uh, they were doing hip hop and techno. So you know, this is us in 2017 listening to this stuff and sort of being like, damn, like people are really, you know, narrowing their focus on a label because now we know why, right? It's because this stuff is hard to market. But uh, but yeah, we really wanted to do that. And uh, and then you know, one of one of the scenes and one of the the people we look towards is. So I'm in the UK now, right? Since the beginning, we've been looking towards the UK jazz scene. Uh, Jaws Peterson, Brownswood Recordings, uh, Kamal Williams, Yusef Days, uh, Monster Brown, what all these guys, uh, Alpha Mess, what all these guys have been doing from, uh, you know, on the ground here, you can really sense it now if you're in South London. Like, you know, everybody knows about this stuff. We, we just thought, you know, all this stuff is the same. A lot of this, is, a lot of this, is coming from the same from the same place. Uh, you know, a lot of it being, um, you know, uh, Bernard's not here to, to say this, but he always says this. Like a lot of this being black music, and us not really wanting to put a label on anything, like any music that sounds good. Right now, we're working on a project which is uh, which is repressing old Palestinian cassettes from the first Intifada. Like that's just because it happened. So there's really no no label we can put on it. And we didn't want to do that from the beginning. Like there's too much going on around us to to narrow in. You know, some days I listen to ambient music, some days I listen to, to hip hop, some days I listen to uh, to free jazz, you know? So that's just how it was going to be. And one thing you touched on, you know, you're, you're dipping into that UK jazz scene. Um, you're also getting into, you know, New York with um, some electronic and jazz um, and whatever they have going on, which is a lot. Um, so when did you feel like you branched out from New York to London to becoming, you know, this almost kind of global label? One of the main three partners took a took a step away. Uh, on his road to becoming a, a lawyer. Uh, I I am actually uh, Lebanese, te- technically British Lebanese. I was working 
and studying in the US. I was there for, for six years in the end, but eventually my papers ran out. Bernard Ibnitaka is Puerto Rican Congolese. You know, he was living in New York. He is he wanted to move back to San Juan and open a studio. We just sort of had an urge. Well, he had an urge to leave and I was forced to leave. You know, Bernard spent a lot of time here in the UK last, uh, two years ago as well. Like, I don't think neither he nor I really liked New York as a as a permanent as a permanent spot for us. You know, uh, I, I like to spend as much of my time as possible in Lebanon. So, you know, a month, maybe two months a year. It's like 14 hours away from uh, from New York. Uh, the other thing is that the two guys that we brought on board really kick-started the operation more so than Bernard and I could have done, you know, by ourselves. Uh, this dude, uh, Paolo, this Italian dude who grew up in Dubai, and uh, this Egyptian dude, Mustafa. Uh, and Mustafa and Paolo sort of built out the New York operation, kept, kept a presence there. Uh, and I went to London to scope it out, you know, see what we could do. And Bernard went to San Juan to see what he could do. Uh, and I think it took a lot of months of uncertainty. But ultimately, like, we already knew our influence was from outside of New York when we were in New York. That's the whole point, right? That's why I told you, like, we were listening to the, to the UK jazz stuff. Because the New York scenes is cool. Like as as you can see with Josh Craig and the Jersey scene and all that, but but it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same as this little island over here, which is just relentless, you know. thing I did want to touch on too is that um, with um, you talk about you know your roots in Lebanon um, one of the you know the goals of this record or this record label is I noticed that you know Shuli's record Faluka and Malik Polo is that you guys are making effort to amplify you know young Arab voices in progressive music um, why did that become central to, you know, the way that you wanted to proceed with this label? I'm not sure I've even said this, but we've, we've actually been thinking about this a lot uh, in, internally. Uh, I'm not sure that we ever set out with that intention. The intention that we had was with the name. So Abu Tazjilat, Abu Recordings, means the father of recordings in Arabic. It's like a semi-tongue-in-cheek joke because in in Arab countries, uh, you are often named, if you are the first son, you are often named, uh, you know, you call your, if you're the firstborn, 
you call the, your firstborn uh, your father's name. And so you become uh, the father of the, then the name of your son. And then the son is supposed to have the exact same name as you. And this gets repeated in a sort of comical uh, way for generations, right? So, you know, at first we were thinking about that. I suggested that and the guys were like, wow, like, this is cool. The father of recordings. Like, no, how come nobody's done that? It's you, right? And then we got to making the logo. And I think it was Bernard and, and Aaron. And they were both like, yo, like, maybe we should just have an Arabic logo. Like, if this is what we're doing, like, Bernard's got the music vision on lock. You clearly have, like, a, like a, uh, me in my case, I was trying to push this aesthetic, right? Um, in the end, we kind of settled for being a uh, an unashamedly pro uh, not pro Arab but just pro Middle Eastern entity that was going to operate in the West right because we didn't just want to be a record label we definitely wanted to be something that like could inspire people we thought we were going to focus on music from uh, all over the world like not really uh, have a focus on Arabs. It was more like starting a company that could be foreign in the US and project emotions, I guess, aesthetic, whatever you want to call it, right? So at that point, Bernard became Ibn Itaka. We put the logo in Arabic. And the thing about the logo is that it's subtitled, right? So it really gives, it has the Arabic in pink, red, which is like a friendly, positive color. Those were our intentions. Now, what happened with Faluka and Malik and Shuli is is sort of the rea- the world's uh, you know the the energetic reaction to our aesthetic intentions, right? We said, okay, we're going to do something that's unapologetically foreign, you know, like we're not from here, you know. Aaron Aaron Jerome grew up in in the UK, but he's a he's a white American dude, you know. We're doing this together, like this is a cool idea, like you guys have a cool idea here, and so so we did that. The artists responded. The artists living in the West with those really strong Arab roots, you know, Shuli who grew up uh, in Amman, Jordan, all of his life until he was about 1920. Faluka, same thing, Egypt, until she was about 1920. Now, Faluka is Egyptian-American. She has an American passport. So that's an extra layer of uh, of like things that, that tie her to us from a from a cultural perspective right uh and then malik malik who just showed up so malik is the first of, of all this right the man who introduced us to feluca the man who showed up on our couch because he knew uh he i was living with paolo and 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 bernard maybe two three years ago in new york uh, and malik polo just showed up to couch surf on our couch for 10 days because he knew paolo from dubai and he gets there and we've got this like big Abu Recordings poster, a, a little studio downstairs. And this is in Ridgewood, uh, New York, right? And he's just like, what the hell is this? You guys are running a, an Arab record label from this basement in, in, in Queens? Like, what's going on? And basically it turns out that our choice of, our choices very early on made this, this thing pretty inspiring to young Arabs. Because I think they've never seen something like this in the West. People are doing cool fashion, 
experiential brand project, some cool studios in the Middle East, especially, I mean, in Egypt, where things are really blossoming, right? From a music perspective, a music and, and arts perspective. But I still think we're probably the only people doing it in the West right now, still. Uh, you know, just a, a sort of small grassroots, unashamedly uh, Arab operation. Feluca, Malpolo, Shuli, I guess they saw something they really liked because, you know, Feluca was out of our league when we signed her. Uh, we just signed her because she was in New York and when she came to one of the shows we threw, she's like, wow, I'm at home. Till I'm conveying the truth as expression from the root Still looking at me like they never seen a bitch spit fire They perspire, I'm inspired, usly ushering it with lions I'm not lying, just been leveling with truths to get to you Looking at me with confusion, clueless fucking sweet to do They look like pain, yeah, yeah Looking at me like I'll be the one to save the day, yeah, yeah Polo you know, it's like, whoa, like, you know, we have the exact same. I don't know if it's correct to call it that, but it's like, you know, post the destruction of the Middle East, there's a lot of us lost out here in the West. Uh, blend, just blending in, you know, uh, but it's it's uh, it's 2021, man. It's weird. So we get this a lot. We all of our submissions are from are from young Arabs. Just being like, what is this? You guys are doing this for me? I'm in Berlin. I'm in Leipzig. Like, well, so I think people people appreciate that. And uh, the reaction's been, I mean, that's really what gave us momentum. It's that piece of luck that, you know, these artists actually wanted to be a part of this community. Um, and then speaking of those releases with, you know, Malik, um, Faluka, and Shuli, um, during you know across the pandemic those releases were you know, very well received and you know very well reviewed what did the pandemic teach you about you know releasing music especially when you know we don't have those opportunities for in-person stuff but you know you're still releasing quality music people are still receiving you and you know your music and it's being well received so what did maybe the quarantine or pandemic teach you about how you want to proceed going forward I think the pandemic was an unequivocal disaster for most people in our, uh, I don't know, you want to call it industry. The making of, of good records, uh, Shuli's record being probably one of my favorite records, you know, that, that I've listened to in, in 2020. I guess I can speak, I can understand the, the language, you know, so that that's a lot, right? Uh, but I don't know, I'm really, really proud of of those records, I think that I can't speak highly for the quarantine period only because like, give you a little anecdote, we have a Ebeni Taka produced Camden Malik project dropping on July 9th. I don't know if you've heard of Camden, but he's incredible from Sacramento. Um, really cool guy, a really good artist. You know, they cut a 7-8 track EP in the studio a couple months ago in New York in like six days. Getting uh, Ronimus I, so uh, Ron's debut was done before the, like slightly before the pandemic. And a lot of Feluca's music was done before the pandemic. But actually, like to speak to the records that we've made during that have not come out yet. So, for example, actually, the, the Malik Polo 
echo chambers is not out, right? That, that's a sort of, that's being made, that was being made during the pandemic. Really tough, you know, unless y'all know each other like super well, everybody can understand each other's energies. Like it's really tough to, to do that. So Bernard and Camden, cut the record in like just a few days in New York. And that shows you, that really shows you the difference of some of these projects. Now, thankfully they've all been sorted and they're, they're, they're finished and mastered and, and on the way, but, but the, the quarantine definitely slowed us down. But yeah, I'm, I'm very glad for things to be, you know, getting back to normal. We can all see, I haven't been to New York since March, 2020. All right, um, Merrick, so just wrapping things up, you talk about, you know, things gradually reopening. Um, I know things are a little bit different in London. So, you know, with with your operation more or less kind of spread around the world, how do you plan on proceeding now that, you know, pandemic slowly, slowly starting to slow down and, you know, you guys probably want to do some different things. So what are the plans sort of going forward? I would say so, like there's a bunch of uh, records in the works at the moment. Um, our focus, you know, for the next year is really going to be on the artists that that you've seen sort of uh, appear in the last six months or so. Like this band in New York, Kokomofo, uh, uh, TJC, Josh Craig's next release, you know, Hearns, Malik. Um, and then, uh, again, because it's funny that he just, he didn't make it today, but Ibn Itaka will be putting out his second uh, album. Uh, probably in early 2022, maybe, you know, starting with a single in September or something. We have a bunch of, of sort of super in-house projects uh, that we're all really excited about, I would say. Uh, and beyond that, I mean, uh, we really want to get back into our events, Abu Nights, because uh, those are so much fun, honestly. We were just booking, booking acts, uh, and having them interact with with a lot of the bands that we work with. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, getting back to to what we were doing and focusing on getting these really good projects out. Because, you know, if I have to, if I have to, to, to end with anything, it's that like, you know, we're actually heavily focused on music. We're a production house more than anything. The marketing is there, but again, it's like, that's a numbers game to me at least unless you're a marketing whiz which none of us are you know we're we're in real life we're an in real life kind of operation we're just the internet thing because of covid back in back in 2020 our real you know we were hosting monthly events at uh, at new blue in new york and that's you know we're just going to get back to that and see each other this is really important i'm going to spend like three months with bernard just chopping it up you know uh, and we're, we're going to go to New York and hopefully, you know, Mustafa's going to be uh, 
gonna be allowed out of Egypt. You know, I told you it's a mess, man. It's a mess. <laughs> but, uh, but we're excited because again, the music, the music is coming, and it's just getting better. All right, Merrick. Um, thank you. Thank you, Ben. Um, not just for you know coming on or yourself for coming on, but for all the good music you've released so far and going forward. Um, I'm honored to have you on, and you know, hopefully, look forward to having you back on. Anytime, man. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you for your time, and uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch. WXOU, Auburn Hills, Michigan. You just heard my interview with Merrick Razuk, one of the founders and heads of the record label, Abu Recordings. If you've liked your tonight, you can keep up with all Abu Recordings releases by visiting aburecordings.com. You can also search for Abu Recordings on all social media platforms. I want to thank Merrick again for his time and insight. I want to wish the Abu Recordings family all success in the future. We're getting this program with one of their first releases, The Summertime, by Abin Ataka. So until next time, peace, thank you, enjoy, and I'll catch you next Friday.